This is the Everything EV Podcast by EV Powered. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Everything EV Podcast, the podcast dedicated to everything electric. I'm your host, Charlie Atkinson, and in these episodes we'll be discussing everything to do with electric travel. So whether it be cars, bikes, boats or even planes, we'll have it covered. We'll also be speaking to people from within the industry to get their views on the EV space, as well as other features such as electric car reviews, electric motorsport coverage, and much, much more along the way. This podcast is available on all streaming platforms, so be sure to subscribe to wherever you get your podcast from to receive every single episode as soon as it's released. And please do go back and check out all our other episodes too. In this episode, we'll be joined by William Keane and Nigel Pond of Carver Electric UK. The Carver is a fully electric vehicle that has been designed to thrive in an urban environment and thanks to its free wheel design which makes it the perfect combination between a car and a scooter, it does exactly that. The company was originally founded in Holland and the original petrol version of this vehicle had earned rave reviews on Top Gear back in the day but nowadays it is a fully electric vehicle and is taking over the streets of London and other parts of the UK. William and Nigel are here to tell us all about the Carver and why it makes so much sense for those living in a big city but want to make the switch over to an EV. So William and Nigel, welcome to the podcast first of all. If we could just start by finding out how both of you are involved with Carver and where your journeys began with the company. I came to the Carver via, via different, different, different route, as it were, in terms of I was, I was uh, informed about it by a, by a friend of mine who um, knows uh, you know, Anton, um, the, the CEO of, of Carver. And... I saw a video and I thought, wow, that's incredible. It ticks all the boxes in, in terms of uh, urban, mo- urban mobility. I mean, it's, it's enclosed, so you don't get rained on. It's got three wheels, it's stable, it's got a steel cage. It's, uh, you know, safety, um, very strong safety features. I mean, you've got safety belts, it's a two-seater, um, and it's only 98 centimeters wide. So you can go, you've got all the advantages of a scooter, uh, but you, at the same time, you you haven't got the uh, the freezing cold and the and the driving rain um, that that a, that a scooter does or a motorbike does. So um, and it's got a great old fashioned handbrake, which which I love, and 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 three gears, um, drive neutral reverse. So it's and a steering wheel. So it's very straightforward. It's very it's very easy. It's very user friendly in in terms of. Um, you know, getting through the traffic quickly, and and really, the more you the more you drive it, the more advantages you discover. So, I mean, it it costs less than a pound to fully charge the uh, the battery. You can go sixty miles range on it, um, hundred kilometers. Um, so it's very cheap. There's no there's no road tax. There's no, um, you know, it, it it's very very low overheads. Um, and 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 really, kind of it just it just thought wow this is a this is a wonderful concept and then i was um told about nigel uh and i contacted nigel and he very kindly said um come on down and and have a test drive so my son and i who's 11 drove down and he went into the back um and we yeah we we had a test drive with, with nigel and nigel as i sort of went on this journey I discovered had been documenting all his um, the whole process. You know, it was a fascinating record on on YouTube. Um, so, 
automatically you've sort of had a, a great back catalogue on, on which to learn and and you know some of the things that he's done I you know I wouldn't even dream of attempting so uh, because I, I'd have several bits left over and uh, and you know but I mean you know he's, he's just basically taking it all apart so um, so really yeah I mean sort of Nigel's the you know the wizard in terms of the technology and, and the mechanics and um, and, and the research behind it all. So, yeah, over to you, Nigel. Yeah, so a little bit of history from me then. I, um, back in early 2000s, remember the original Carver One being on Top Gear. Sorry, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Forgot me. And uh, both Clarkson and Hammond absolutely loved it. And uh, you've got a link to that video on our uh, website. And I, I was like, I want one, I want one. I've got to have one of those. But it was like 30 grand at the time and uh, the company didn't survive long enough for the prices to uh, really come down. They had a relationship, I think, with Daihatsu uh, producing or Toyota, I think it was, with who were producing the engines. And the orders suddenly became so many that they saw Carver as competition. So decided to end that relationship, which is a real shame. Carver did try and find... It was, it was a nice version then, internal combustion engine, of course, where, we're, where now we're fully electric. Um, so I was actually toying with the idea of building myself a trike. Now, I'm not a mechanic at all. I come from an IT background, and that was just a little bit daunting. So one day while surfing the web, I found Carver Earth website, Carver Europe. And within days, I chewed it over and thought, yeah, I've got to have one and put a deposit down. I was lucky enough to be invited out to uh, Holland for a test drive and I was the first customer to test drive the new electric carver um, and fell in love with it took my wife out she didn't need any convincing at all she had a go as well I uh, thought it was great fun um, the only limitation that we saw at the time was the 30 miles an hour which is um, which at the time I, I thought was was a bit of a limitation now, I understand why carver did this uh, in Europe, a 14-year-old can drive the Carver. Um, in the UK, it's probably a little bit different. Um, we can talk about insurance later on in the podcast, if you like. But um, yeah, so um, I ordered my Carver. I got a, a phone call from Carver saying, oh, we don't export to the UK at the moment. I said, I don't care. I'll do it myself. And uh, like uh, William was saying there, I documented that process of doing the import myself, going through the NOVA process, talking to DVLA to get it registered and this type of thing. Um, lots of paperwork, lots of costs involved. Um, and it was fairly difficult. So now Carver Electric UK um, are there to do all that for potential customers. So it makes the process a lot easier. So yeah, I, I got the Carver into the UK and the first thing I wanted to do was um, do a few modifications. I, I changed the seat, uh, put a reclining um, bucket seat in there. I replaced the mirrors and I was trying to um, see if I'd get some more speed out of it as well. But Carver very cleverly designed the, it to be very well integrated. So minimal components um, and it's all integrated and, and worked around the BMS and DVC control system, dynamic vehicle control, which controls the tilting. So, um, yeah, I dabbled with that, made a few videos, and people were quite interested in uh, getting, getting a few subscribers from it. So people are interested in the technology. They're interested in that different experience of driving. Um, it, it's, it's a more engaging drive. When you ride a motorbike, I've got a full bike license. I love motorbikes. I think they're brilliant. 
but they're cold and wet and um, you know a little bit more dangerous. And I wanted something that was more engaging than a car um, and the, the fun of a motorcycle, which is what the Carver Electric gives us. Yeah, so obviously, as you mentioned there, these are fully electric vehicles. So what are some of the technical specifications like the range and charging time, for example? Okay, so the Carver Base has a 5.4 kilowatt hour battery. It charges via a standard 13 amp plug and takes about four hours, just over four hours for a full charge. And from that, you'll get uh, 60 miles of range and you have a top speed of 30 miles an hour. Uh, with the new carvers that have been launched, the R plus and the S plus. So the R plus is for range, S is for speed. So you can do, you can have the choice of having uh, more range or more speed, essentially. Both have a, a new battery pack, 7.1 kilowatt hour with um, uh, Samsung batteries, I believe. So what you get there is with the S plus, you have a top speed of 50 miles an hour and the range of 60 miles. But with the range plus, you're limited to the 30 miles an hour, but have uh, 80 miles of range. Now that it, that works for both the, um, the, the street carver and the cargo as well. So you can have a cargo 50 liters, 500 liters of storage with 80 miles of range, which we see as perfect for Deliveroo's um, Uber Eats, that type of thing. Local bakeries, um, you know, delicatessens and things like that who want to get in and around the city easier than uh, have, having a big van and, and doing, you know, you can get a full shop in there essentially, full weekly shop. So yeah, that's where we stand at the moment. That's the, the three three models we have. Also yeah. the advantage is in terms of you don't have to pay ultra low emission zones in London and you don't have to pay congestion charge. So just the two of those alone is, £27.50 a day. So, I mean, that's over over the course of a year, it's over 10 grand. So, you know, we, we take the view that it sort of pays for itself if you're if you're in an old, you know, non-compliant vehicle, um, then it's, um, yeah. And also it's a fun way of getting around. You're not polluting, um, you know, you're not pumping out CO2 and nitrous oxide. You've got cleaner air, better health all around for everybody that lives in the, in the city. And also, um, you know, you can you you can actually go through with all the advantages like a scooter. I mean, as I said, so yeah, it's a good delivery vehicle. Just to focus on costs for a minute, how much do these things go for? Because I know you have a range of different carvers out there. So, what's the cheapest you can get one for, and how expensive do they get? The base model, the thirty mile an hour carver, starts at ten thousand plus VAT, and then it moves up into the R plus and S plus that are similarly priced around fourteen thousand pounds. Yeah, and just to go back a touch, William, you touched on there the ultra low emission zone a little bit earlier. And of course, it's just recently been announced that the zone has been expanded. And so when you consider those costs as well, surely it's going to make even more sense to own a vehicle like this if you live in London. I hope so. I mean, it's it's now um, expanded up to the North Circular and the South Circular routes and, and takes it all in. I mean, you, if you look at it from the fact that I've got children growing up in central London, and, and if you look at it from the perspective of, well, you, your children are not being affected by pollution or there is a drive to get rid of pollution, it makes sense. I mean, um, you know, other people look at it from a kind of uh, sort of 
uh, you know, another way of raising taxes. But if you actually take, you know, the, the concept of, well, what will eventually be achieved is a less polluted city with children growing up with less asthma, less uh, health uh, effects. I mean, you know, it's, you know, less, less people having, you know, heart attacks because they can't breathe. I mean, you know, that's, you know, with all these sort of health benefits, if it gets more people walking, cycling, uh, doing exercise, getting out of their cars, um, then, then that's, if you, if you look at in, you know, the, the entirety of the, the, the situation, well, in theory, if people are fitter because they're doing more exercise, they're getting out of their car, you're taking less, you're taking less, you know, more pressure off the NHS. So, you know, if you're taking more pressure off the NHS, then in theory, if there's less money being having to be spent in the NHS because people are, are, are fitter, then and healthier, well, then that gives an opportunity for the money to be spread around to other areas that, you know, that do need it, like education, like, you know, the other, the other pull on the resources. So I, I see it as a, you know, a positive thing. And anything that means that, uh, you know, we're less reliant on fossil fuel, fuels and, you know, we, we, we switch over to electricity cheaper, well, you know, then it should be, you know, if you, if you get more re renewable energy sources, like, you know, solar, wind, I mean, that's got to be more, no, it's got to be better for everybody because it's more sustainable and, uh, and really kind of, you know, I don't, I don't see that as a, a, a downside of things. And, and in, I like what is actually being achieved in the cities where you have country in companies like uh, Ubitricity um, and they've got these charging um, sockets in, in the lampposts and you can, you can plug it in aside, again, using the existing infrastructure, which I think is, is, is common sense. Um, and you, you know, and, and you make use of, and if you've got smaller cars on the road, uh, narrower cars on the road, well, you can, you're making better use of the existing infrastructure and, and resources, um, you know, but rather than people being, you know, driven around in SUVs and blocking up everything. I mean, it just sort of, it just, it just makes common sense to me, but, um, you know, there, there we go. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of it. Yeah, it does seem like there's been a big social change and especially off the back of COP26, it does feel as though people are more aware of the environment and want to make choices that are better for the planet and, and that includes electric vehicles. But I mean, it wasn't too long ago that people would sort of look down on you or take the mick out of you for owning an electric vehicle. And as one of the early adopters, Nigel, have you sort of noticed a shift in the attitude towards EVs? Because it does feel as though they are sort of being accepted across the board now by everyone. Absolutely. Um, we uh, are very, very lucky um, where we live in Bracknell outside of London. You know, it's not particularly built up. Um, we have solar. We have a Renault Zoe. I've got off street parking and I can, you know, obviously charge the Zoe through there. Um, so I think that at the moment I'm seeing is the biggest uh, block to people taking on electric vehicles is off street parking. But like William's saying, this infrastructure is growing drastically and um, it's, it's improving all the time. But at the moment I'm seeing, just on my journeys in the Zoe, we traveled fairly long distance uh, last weekend where we were driving uh, from down south up to the Midlands. And we had to use the uh, 
chargers at service stations and there was a queue. So I think at the moment, um, people are, especially for the higher end vehicles, there was a Taycan there, there were a few Audis um, and, and, and Jags, you know, electric vehicles, all vying for positions at the chargers. Um, so I think that at, at the moment, um, the cars are slightly more popular than the or the speed of adoption of the cars is slightly more than the rollout of the infrastructure so obviously there's going to be um, a race there but the, the infrastructure is coming and I think it's uh, beholden to those people who can afford to go electric that they should um, for all the reasons that William was just talking about now when I bought the Carver it's 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 very much a second vehicle for us but I, did, I couldn't justify really uh, living where we live, buying another car, be it electric or otherwise, purely because of the size. If you look at the streets around us, um, even though we have driveways and parking in, in the estate where I live, there's still vehicles blocking the roads, parked up. There, there are vans, they're taking up space on um, the curbside, you know, preventing people with wheelchairs and pushchairs getting through. With the Carver, I can park it on the road, I'm still taking up less space than a car and I'm not parking on the curb. So even, even with doing that, my, my car was parked on the driveway most of the time. But, you know, so I take up less space, um, even though I live in an extra urban uh, environment, I, it's still useful for me, even with that speed limitation. I can go around town, I can park in motorcycle bays and do my shopping. Um, I can use bus lanes where motorcycles can use the bus lanes. And it's just so much fun, you know. Um, I, it, I had that, um, it's obviously unique at the moment in, in my area. It's the only one. And there's always people looking and waving and smiling and coming up and asking questions because it's, it's um, you know, it, it's just fun. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it just goes to show, doesn't it, how the world is changing and, and we are moving over to this electric future. And even vehicles like the Carver, which are quite cool and quite quirky, people are interested in them and, and want to know more about them. And, and they're just sort of accepted now. And it feels as though everyone has sort of acknowledged the fact that they need to make the shift over to electric if they can afford it and if, and if they're able to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just one more point on that is electric, the electric drivetrain, in my opinion, is now better than ice anyway. You, you have, you know, if, if you're a speed freak, then you have to go electric. If you want to be quick off the line, it's got to be electric. Um, so, yeah, they're just simply better now for the higher end cars, I would say. Yeah. I've got one, one particular bugbear that does annoy me, which is um, going back to the plug-in grant. I mean, there is a plug-in grant for uh, four-wheel electric vehicles, and there's a plug-in grant for two-wheel electric vehicles but there is no plug-in grant for three-wheel electric vehicles which is which would which would make it you know cheaper for people to adopt and, and use and, and it would be and it's just I've had a meeting with uh, my local MP about this and um, I think several people have written to their local MPs and I would encourage anybody to to write to their MPs about why there is no plug-in grant for three-wheeled vehicles because it's mad, and especially when they're more stable, um, they're more secure, um, they're, they're less likely to cause, you know, accidents, I would imagine. Um, and yeah, and so to really kind of, you know, that that just sort of strikes me as, a, as an anomaly that, that should be um, corrected by, 
the powers that be. I mean, I have, well, my local MP did write to the Department of Transport about this, and they said write to the uh, Mayor of London. But <laughs> I mean, you know, that's not very helpful. It's sort of, you know, passing the buck, I think. But, um, you know, and also it's a nationwide issue, not just a London issue. Yeah, especially after everything we've just discussed, where more and more people are going to be making that switch over to an electric vehicle in, in the next few years. And I suppose a big thing about that is people still might not be able to afford even the cheapest of EVs out there. And so there does need to be other alternatives out there, like the like the Carver, for example, where people go, I, I want to make the switch to an EV. I feel like I should. I live in the city and, and this is actually perfect for me. So I suppose over the next few years, there's going to be even more examples of that, isn't there? I think you're right. Yeah, definitely. I think it bridges the gap. I see there's a hierarchy, isn't there, where um, if people can walk to work, they should. The next would be cycling, the last mile um, electric scooters. And then the carver comes in with, you know, a a slightly longer commute or delivery drivers. And then you obviously have um, normal cars and vans up from from that point and that you know the cost goes up throughout that now i think we've got a niche exactly like you're saying where people want to make the switch they're looking for something that's a little bit more convenient to do their shopping runs dropping the kids off at school etc and one they don't have a bike license they don't want to have a bike license you know they're scared of riding motorbikes you can't it's not so easy to take a child on the back and and the carver fits in that slot where yet you don't need to have a a big parking footprint. You can put two of them side by side in a standard car parking spot. Um, Yeah, and it gives them that access. So I I firmly believe in the form factor and always have done. Um, I I think it's great. You know, big cars, the the cars are getting bigger. People are saying, oh, I need a bigger car. I've got a family. It needs to be safe. And they're driving these two or three ton trucks around. And they're saying, oh, small cars are dangerous. Well, no, I think it's the big car that's more dangerous to the small car. But, you know, it's it's a, it's a false economy, isn't it? You're just getting bigger and bigger cars and the roads aren't getting any bigger. The parking spaces aren't getting any bigger. I saw a, an older lady parking a Volvo V40 the other day and she couldn't get it into the parking space and um, scrape the car next to her, a big SUV that was taking up the entire space. So, you know, having something small like a Carver that's easy to manoeuvre and efficient, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a no-brainer to me. Yeah, that actually leads quite nicely into my next question, because you said earlier that you think an electric powertrain is much better than an ICE vehicle. And I mean, I certainly agree. But for someone that's not experienced being behind the wheel of a carver, what what can they expect and how would you best describe that feeling and, and what that's like? Give us your best sales pitch. I personally, my one line, it's 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 a motorbike for car drivers. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, it stands out. And yeah, and, it, and, and the, the cost is uh, reasonable, I think. So, yeah. Perfect. I, I would say that it just puts a smile on your face when you're driving it. I mean, it's going back to the, the pure pleasure of, you know, something, the pleasure of motoring. I mean, it does literally make you smile. Um, and you find excuses to, you know, go and go places. It, it, it's fun. It really is fun. Yeah, so what's the feedback been like from other carver owners out there or just from people that you speak to on the street? What's the sort of feedback been um, like? You just get stopped all the time. You get lots of thumbs up. Kids, you see their mouth drop, they point, they stare. Um, you know, the, their parents 
you know, they, they, their mouth drops and turn. It's just, it's just fun. It's wonderful. And it's, uh, yeah, I mean, you've got great all round visibility. Um, we're probably in this sort of micro period when, you know, they're, they're not common. They're not seen on, on the street. And, um, you know, it's just really positive. Lots of I love your car and thumbs up. And, you know, it's just really, yeah, really positive experience. Absolutely. And, it, you know, as a marketing vehicle, I think it's um, it's brilliant as well, purely for the reasons that William was just talking about. People do stop and stare and point and, and it's a talking point. People want to ask you questions all the time. And we're lucky enough to be working with uh, Lucas Aid Alert at the moment, who are doing a tour around universities using a Carver Cargo that's been branded with um, their logos and everything. And... Um, this it's really successful you know it's it's drawing people in people are coming to have a look and talk to them about it so yeah absolutely fantastic if you want to stand out and uh, make an impression um it's it's absolutely the perfect vehicle for it with um you know sound ecological morality around it as well so yeah okay so just to finish up then what does the sort of future hold for carver and what are the sort of next steps and the immediate plans for for you guys blue sky thinking um i think the the new r plus and s plus models are gonna um fly off the shelves because that's exactly what i wanted um from the feedback that i've had on my youtube channel it's just been yeah, 30 miles an hour is just not enough. We need faster ones. And Carver have listened. Um, they That's one of the brilliant things about working with what is essentially a startup company is they are listening to customers. They've made lots of different changes, subtle changes to the Carver. And uh, with every iteration, they're, they're improving. So that's fantastic. Now, what I would love to see, and William and I have spoke about this, is an electric um, Carver race series. Um that would be awesome. We're working with a streaming company at the moment who um, present at, uh, and stream live events for motorsports. And uh, I'm hoping that uh, there's somebody that says, oh, we can do that. We, can, we need to carve a race series. That'd be a lot of fun. That's all for this episode. Many thanks for listening. And if you like this, then please do check out all our other episodes and be sure to subscribe to wherever you get your podcast from to make sure you get every single episode as soon as it's released. For daily news coverage, features and much more, you can also head over to evpowered.co.uk. Thanks once again for listening and we'll see you on the next episode of the Everything EV Podcast.